Hello and welcome to the third episode of Kickin' the Copier, a new version of this podcast we're trying out in which we try to offer a single idea that we find helpful or intriguing based on our own experience in the classroom. Alongside our longer back and forths, the goal of these shorter episodes is to just toss out something that works in our classroom and may be helpful in yours. One additional note, with Jim already weeks into his new school year and mine just about to kick off, you might hear a bit less of us, at least for a bit, until we've discovered our school year sea legs, or at least until we can convince ourselves we have. Keep leaving feedback, though, on what you find most helpful, and if you're new to the Broken Copier listening community, welcome. We're glad to have you. Regardless, here we go. Episode number three of Kicking the Copier, Changing How You Return Feedback to Students. As teachers, we often invest a lot into feedback for students. Sometimes a lot, a lot. And I'm sure for many that a lot when it comes to feedback at times trickles or sometimes even overflows beyond our contracted hours. But we invest that a lot in feedback because we know it matters. It is almost always the best link between where a student is and where they can be. Today, though, I don't want to talk as much about what that feedback looks like or strategies for giving efficient, effective feedback, since those answers are very different for a high school English essay than they are for a middle school science project, than they are for a series of AP social studies DBQs. As has always been the case, and always will be, context very much matters. Today, instead, I want to talk about something that applies across these contexts, and I'd argue pretty much all others. How you, as a teacher, return the feedback to students. And I'm going to suggest three things that I believe can change the culture of your classroom around feedback and growth in a substantial way. My first piece of advice with this make sure the students get the feedback in the classroom at the same time as all their other classmates, with a dedicated lesson around it. This seems simple, but the reality of grading and giving feedback in today's landscape often complicates it. With so many of us teachers now utilizing some sort of digital platform for projects and papers and grading, including our feedback, this often means that students receive this feedback as we complete it as teachers, one at a time. This might be a notification on their phone when they get to the locker room, or maybe on their phone while they're you know, binging an episode of Stranger Things on Netflix on their TV or computer, and that's if they even have notifications set up in the first place. In other words, many students in today's moment encounter feedback for the first time outside the classroom on their own, and I think the first step in shifting to a better process is making sure they get that feedback all at the same time in your classroom. And not in the last five minutes of class either, which leads to my second piece of advice. Creating a feedback lesson in which you can frame the feedback collectively for the entire classroom before they get individual feedback. Let me explain a little bit more what I mean when I say frame the feedback collectively, though since this was only something I started doing recently myself. 
Now, as an English teacher, when I'm grading essays and giving individual feedback, I've started keeping a separate document open to track which comments I keep making again and again and again, both for strengths and growth areas. I've been trying to take note as I'm grading of what trends are emerging across all the different writing that I'm reading in all the classes. As I do this, I then collect those trends together, identify what's most important to share with students, and create a slide deck that highlights and explains them, including student samples, names removed, of course, that I can use in the class. And I'll actually link to an example of one of these slide decks in the show notes. That slide deck then becomes that collective framing for students in those feedback lessons. And out of all the things I'll say today, this is where I've shifted most dramatically. Feedback isn't something that's just tossed at students in the final five minutes of the class or sent out to them sporadically through uh, digital feedback. It's something they get together as a class, but first we go over the trends collectively. And this is also where I want to talk about putting this into one space. I believe the affording of time as a teacher expresses priority. So dedicating 30, 40, maybe 20 minutes of class time to the receiving of feedback is critically important, not just in terms of what it does, but the value it expresses in creating that time. Not only do I talk about these trends with the the slide deck and go over the samples, I also try to facilitate conversation around those trends and trying to help students anticipate what individual feedback they'll be receiving. For example, I might go over two, three, four different growth areas that I noticed. And then in partners or small groups, they'll debrief. Which one do you think apply to theirs? Which one do they not think? Getting them talking about the feedback they're about to receive. And this is what is key. By having this experience before they get their individual feedback, students become locked into the feedback that they're going to receive by anticipating it. By the time I say open your computers and check your email to see your feedback, the foundation has been laid to make that experience so much more purposeful, all because of the collective framing we went through together as a class. And finally, this leads to my third piece of advice. Give them time to process that feedback in the same classroom space. In our room, this means that students not only get protected time to read through the feedback and also sorry, often also an example to compare their own writing to, but they also get dedicated space where they can reflect on the process they took in writing their essay and what they learned from the feedback in their own words. This means they aren't only reading this feedback, they're processing it by writing about it, and sometimes later in the year by discussing that feedback with peers once we've built the classroom culture, all of which makes the feedback stickier, I believe, and really creates the path for future growth. And that quiet collective space for processing feedback, it's really helpful for me as a teacher too, as it gives me an opportunity to move around and check in with students who might have specific questions or clarifications. And perhaps most importantly, it just gives me time to watch and see how students are doing. Feedback can be challenging, and supporting students in this space in person is a huge priority for me, especially as the ability to receive and grow from feedback is a skill that undeniably translates beyond any single classroom, no matter the subject. That's the advice for today, though, in three parts. Number one, return feedback in your classroom to students at the same time in a dedicated lesson. 
Number two, in that lesson, frame the feedback collectively first before they see their individual feedback. And then number three, create protected space for them to process the feedback while you move around the room to check with them. As teachers, we work incredibly hard to create meaningful feedback for students, and we spend a lot of time doing it. But how we get it to them matters too, and I think these shifts can make a real difference. The Broken Copier is an independent, listener-supported podcast for teachers. The show is written and hosted by Marcus Luther and myself, Jim Maris. I do editing and sound design for the show as well. Thanks to Casey Roberts, a blues musician born and raised in the Mississippi Delta, for writing and supplying original intro music. Thanks to Tom Chitari, a jazz musician, composer, and teacher currently based in Australia. Right now, you're listening to Woodstock from his album Garden, available now on Spotify. You can stream his music under the name Uncivilized. Fun fact about the album, it includes vignettes from a single called Rain Stomp, which was originally written to support Stacey Abrams' Fair Fight Action Network for Super Tuesday in 2020. Check out all his work at guitaruncivilized.com and uncivilizedtom.com, where you can sign up for guitar lessons on Zoom, just like I do. Links are in the show notes. Thanks very much to my sister, Courtney Malavik, for the graphic design you see on our social media and episode posts. Thanks to Brandon Piasecki for helping to get this project off the ground. The goal of the show is to connect with a passionate, diverse group of educators, bring helpful analysis and collaboration, and celebrate everyone doing the hard work in the classroom.